What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain JP Sears is a seriously funny motherfucker. You've probably seen him in all of his hilarious YouTube videos, but not too many of you have taken a peek behind the character and gotten to know this really funny, intelligent, conscious human being. Enjoy the podcast. I don't shit. Yeah. I haven't shit since early 90s. Yeah. That's, that's I'm perfectly efficient. False body functions. <laughs> yeah. I don't do it. I'm efficient. Yeah. It's just I have a guy that does that for me. Yeah. Mm. I can see that. I also thought I also thought like when I'm looking at all of like the prohibitions that religion and societies put on, I thought that like I would make a parody story about a society that decided that it was illegal to shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's like all of these restrictions on sex, like humanity cannot exist yeah. without sex, but they make all these guilts and restrictions. What if you set up a system where you pretended like nobody was shitting? You know, because they're pretending like you're not even supposed to think about sex in certain religions, like you're fucking out of your mind. There's no yeah. chance. Well, in and I don't think that's so far fetched because we kind of do that. We is it illegal to shit? No, it's definitely illegal to shit <laughs> like out in public, and True. you can't be seen shitting. That's illegal. That's indecent exposure. But the pretending element, like man, do we pretend we don't shit? We go in, we close the door, we're concealed. <laughs> Then we flush it. Then we come out, open the door, act like nothing ever happened. But I think to me, the the real meaning I get from you bringing this up is that's a metaphor for how we are like with our shadow selves, like our, our shitty human emotions, yeah. like the, the ones that aren't happiness are the ones we typically treat like shit. We flush it down. We act like it's not there and we come out all like, Manic. No, that, yeah, that wasn't, I'm fine, all good. Yeah, but like, if you don't shit, you are so unhealthy. So I think, you know, our, our even though it's disgusting, like it's so important for us. And I think if we embrace our shitty emotions, our mm -hmm. shitty, what we judge to be our flaws, we're much better off. It's like giving ourselves permission to have a bowel movement. It's <laughs> like, wow, this it actually feels good to let my being do what my being needs to do. And in this case, it's doo-doo. <laughs> and yeah, all that it sure. metaphorically represents. For sure. And this this idea, I think Bertrand Russell was you know, talking about if all of a sudden we opened up the power to be able to read everybody's minds, everybody would lock themselves away because <laughs> they'd be like, oh, the horror. People are monsters. I can't believe these people are thinking about it. Everybody I'm walking with, they're just thinking about sex and all this. you know. And then after a little while, they'd be like, Ah, fuck it. They're just people. And we'd get used to yeah. it, you know, without all of this 
pretending and all of this nonsense and we'd actually be better off for it we would just change our barometer for what we counted as something negative but instead we're all you know putting out this false projection of who we are and what we think and what we're Mm. about i mean the human beings are savage there's a savage part of us and there's also a sentient beautiful conscious part of it and i think finding the balance of that's been a big part of my message is not to pretend that you're one or the other just reconcile all of it yeah you know sure. and then then you're like a a solid person that if you shake it doesn't go jack in the box and you see <laughs> one little thing pop out like Wah! you know oh i agree 100 <laughs> percent. and i i personally think transparency is a very graceful virtue to have and i i think it, it's easier said than done because it's scary for us to be remotely honest with even things that we don't want to be honest with ourselves about, but for us to say like, yeah, this is me. Like now you see who I really am. And I I believe a lot of people, especially the one named JP (laughs) has this program that says you could never love me if you knew who I really was. You can love me if I'm being the person who I think I need to be for you in order to meet your expectations that I'm lovable, I'm earning it. But I think when we do the math, wow, if it's, if it's love that I'm earning, it's not really love. It's maybe approval, which is a really shitty currency. Uh, but I think when we can get to a place where we're transparent and then we see other people who are like, like-minded or maybe even better like-hearted people, they become transparent. And maybe they're willing because we're owning the space. We're representing, like, I am worth transparency. So other people show up who will vibrate at the same frequency, if you will. And then we see, oh, wow, you're not perfect either. And like, you think disgusting things and you have low self-worth aspects of you too. I'm not the only one. What a relief. I guess it's okay for me to be a human, not to be a perfect human, not to be a human meeting expectations that because that's not a human to me to me mm-hmm. that's just a facade but there's so much grace when we can become transparent and meet this self permission that says yeah it's yeah okay. it's okay for it's, me to it's be really, human unless you really are able to see someone and be seen that love is love is not really fully there you know what i mean like you won't fully receive love if you haven't shown the person your true self because yeah. you will they will be loving the projection that you have. And you'll know that, you'll feel it. No matter if you're incredibly successful, that's why the seducers are always empty, Mm. right? You're in seduction, you're trying to paint a picture that someone is falling in love with. They're falling in love with this picture you're painting. But the love is gonna remain at the picture. It's not gonna follow all the way back to your heart because it's not authentic. So you'll never feel it, so you'll always be empty. You know, it's like eating these calories that are never reaching your stomach. You're generating all of this love, but it's never finding its way to your true self. It's all getting trapped in your projection for sure it's like you don't present the surface area of yourself for the other person to connect to so of course they can't love you because you're not allowing them Mm -hmm. and it's so scary because what happens because like i'll just interrupt myself which is very rude of me to do to myself (laughs) i kind of resent myself at this point (laughs) the hell's wrong with me but to me the scary part of it is is it like when we when we risk being ourselves we have no guarantees that a person's going to acknowledge us and value us 
And, you know, I, I don't think we really can value other people any more than we value ourselves. So let's just say mm -hmm. we're, we're with someone who's in our life and they don't value themselves very much. So when we show them our real self, like, okay, maybe they're not going to value it, but we make that all about us. Cause I think in, at some level where we our, take it personal as fuck, we're all narcissists for sure. Yeah. And it, 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 that too is okay. And, but that's scary because it's like, wow, you were, maybe you didn't overtly reject me, but you were indifferent to this deeper part of me. And, and that hurts. And just like you say, we make it all about us. So to me, the idea of like, be unapologetically true to yourself is it's a beautiful North star. And I don't like to falsely glorify it because it's so easy to say and yeah. so glorious on paper. And it's so fiery and tumultuous to actually embody. Yeah, you are putting yourself in the fire, but it's the only chance you actually have of receiving love, right? Like you think like, what if they don't love me? What if I show them my true self and they don't love me? Well, at least you're in the arena because then yeah, it's actual yeah. love. If you show your true self and that true self is love, then you're gonna feel the love. The other way, you're just guaranteeing a loss. You know, For you're sure. guaranteeing some comfortable placating loss where they're gonna love some projection of you. Yippee. Like that's not gonna ever feel like it. So yeah. fucking just take the risk, you know, have the courage For to just sure. go put yourself out there. And if it doesn't work out, you know, all right, it didn't work out. Again, yeah. just don't take it personal. That's their story. That's their, whatever clouds were in their sky that prevented them from seeing, you know, what you were, what you were presenting. That's not your responsibility, you know, yeah. just be yourself and, and let the chips fall where they may. Again, one of the hardest things to do because yeah. that, you know, when people have that instinct of when they do that, they're vulnerable because then also, like if someone doesn't like, let's look at the converse. If someone doesn't like your projection, you know, you can basically just be like, oh, that wasn't me anyways. It, for sure, that it's so safe. Yeah, you know, so it's like, oh, they just rejected my avatar. They didn't reject me, they didn't for show sure. them me. So all good here, I can change that. I can crumple that avatar up. I can throw that one away. I can make a new one, yeah. you know, but you can't do that with your true self, you know? Nope. So that's where people get scared. Absolutely. And you use the word guarantee. If we don't show our real self, we're guaranteed not to get their love. And to me, that guarantee, it, it feels so safe to the ego. Like yeah. it's certain we're not going to get their love. So we don't have to have the anxiety of the mystery. <laughs> yeah. Will they see the real me that shows yeah. up in the arena or not? It's a guarantee. Yeah. And I, from my ego's perspective, it says, I love certainty. Like that'll make me feel like I'm in control. It, it'll probably also feel super freaking familiar. But I think, you know, someone along the way said Curi curiosity kills the cat. Like, fuck that. I think certainty kills the cat. Yeah. I think curiosity enlivens the hell out of the cat's spirit. Mm -hmm. And I personally believe in my delusional way of believing things. And I actually believe this belief. So I guess I'm dogmatic about it. <laughs> but I believe we have to be willing to scare ourselves to death in order to actually live our life and discover this miracle that we really are, which I think is largely a mystery. I think who we are is bigger than our comprehension of who we think we are. I think it's way bigger than even the altruistic sense of who we want to be. So for me, if we can become the, the curious cat-like warrior who says, yeah, guarantees certainty, that feels like death. 
-hmm. Even though it feels like I'm saving my life because it feels safe, I don't feel scared when things are certain. But when I'm willing to shatter that shell of certainty and step curiously into the mystery of who I am, the mystery of new experiences, but somehow go through the metaphoric dark woods that's always in front of me, I think that's when we stand a chance of having more meaning in our lives. That's the hero's journey. For sure. That's the fucking hero's journey. Like if you're going to show up as a hero, you have to step into uncertainty. You know, you have to jump off where it's mostly faith and a little bit of evidence. Like you have to be willing to take those leaps and, you know, move from those cozy shores of your victim story and your helplessness and your safe little little net and just go out and sail those stormy seas realize you're going to get batted around you'll run into the classic you know elements of the odyssey you know the sirens that call you in the the rock in the hard place the scylla and charybdis of this of life you'll have to navigate that and through the other side no matter what happens you'll be tempering your spirit you'll be having an adventure like that's the fucking thing. That's yeah. the game. That's the magic of what this thing is about. I never struggle with that. Oh, why life? What's the point? What's the point? It's the fucking most amazing journey <laughs> you could have. Yeah, sometimes it sucks, but sometimes it's amazing. Yeah. Like I can have coffee, sex, and a cheeseburger in the same hour. What the fuck? What do you mean? What the point? Those are amazing. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like that's that's like the greatest gift yeah. of all time. But you just have to be able to play, like play and and navigate and just take your lumps and don't, like you said, don't hold on to these things. Don't follow the illusion of certainty and control and safety and helplessness yeah. and all of these things that are pandered to you. Yeah, and one of the things I love about your message, and, and like it shined through in what you just said, like that's embodied passion coming out. You are not an intellectual, and that's not a passive aggressive way of saying you're <laughs> stupid, Aubrey. Like you're really, no, you're a very bright guy, but you're way more than just your bright intellect. You embody your message, which I really, so it's like go out and have these experiences rather than just sit here and intellectually yeah, think, well, mm-hmm. life is purposeful in so many ways. It's like, dude, you're always out taking risks. And I would guess that's one of the things that makes so many people want to connect with you. It's like, wow, he's modeling something I either really value that I do in myself, or he inspires me to do something that I, in a, in a deep way, know I need to do for myself. Well, it's how I build, I appreciate that. And it's how I build the model though. I build the model by putting myself through it. And that's how I prove the initial case. Like all of this philosophy, if I can't experientially touch it, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me. Even the whole spiritual framework that I have, it's not, I've, it's been supported by other books I've read, but it's, I've gained it by pushing myself particularly through the plant medicine path and like trying these things out, feeling what I feel, going through these going through these emotions and challenges and truths and then coming out the other side with something that I can then bolster with other theories and draw in. But I have to like, I have to feel it if I'm going to express it. And I think that's, that is maybe a connection that some people are missing. They, they like to leave it in the, in the playground, in the sandbox, but not actually put themselves out there and do it. But that's where the magic is. That's where you really learn because I've had to crumple a bunch of different thoughts and theories like, Oh yeah, I had this great idea. And then I tried it and it was bullshit. For sure. Yeah. I think there's, there's so much what someone calls spiritual bypassing, but I don't, spiritual bypassing is kind of like a narrow term. I think there's so much bypassing mm-hmm. and there's been so much in my life. So I've learned to recognize it where 
we're looking to bypass the discomfort, come across as though we're as close to it, as close to doing the real thing as possible without feeling the real heat of the fire of the hero's journey. And to me, the, the one of the biggest things that a lot of us and myself at times, probably more times than I want to admit, are trying to avoid is the fire of our own emotions. Sure. And our own self-judgment. Man, for sure. How we punish ourselves, shame ourselves, old wounds we carry. And to me, that's really where the juice is. That's not to say it feels good. Like, no, it feels like crap. But there's a, a Carl Jung quote that I absolutely love. He allegedly said, our feelings are the language of our soul. And I, if that's half true, then to me that implies our soul speaks such a wise language. It transcends English. Mm-hmm. It transcends the spoken word. It has to be transmitted through this high vibrational language called feeling. So I think when we're willing to be engaged in our feelings, our bodies, what are we sensing, both emotionally but also primal body sensations, what if that's us connecting very directly to our soul? And like when we have our experiences, we go out, try something new, and failure is a guarantee. If we never failure, it means we're probably not taking enough risk. So I think when we experience those like uncomfortable failures, the self-judgment, man, that's the fire. That's the fire burning away who we're not. So the miracle of who we really are can better arise and show the fuck up in our lives. I think that's the Phoenix rising experience that we give ourselves when we're willing to embody the message, the message of the hero's journey, Mm -hmm. rather than just talking about it and going through some of the motions that feel safe. It's the classic stoic philosophy. The obstacle is the way, Mm -hmm. you know, like you think, oh, let's avoid all of the feelings. You know, let's, it comes up a lot when, you know, I'm talking because, you know, I've kind of pioneered an open relationship container with my fiance, Whitney, and the, it comes up a lot when we talk about feelings like jealousy, right? And so much of, so much of a normal relationship is ignoring, pretending, escaping, trying to figure out how to, you know, get around this demon that's internally, internally made and sometimes has good evidence and sometimes has absolutely no evidence, but it's a monster that you're, you're constantly facing. Well, the way to do that is not to skirt it and escape from it and run around. It's just go straight through. And that's the path that, that I've taken, like go straight through the other side, like put yourself square face to face with it and figure out what you're going to do then because it's a way different fucking ball game when it's so strong and overwhelming that every second that you're moving around you want to vomit and that was the first time like (laughs) the first time whitney took a lover like i spent the entire day every time i would think about any act it would be like my body would stop where i was i would almost have to take a knee and start (laughs) retching Like literally retching. And then, then like I thought I would be, think I would be okay. I'd be like, okay, okay. And then like doggy style would flash in my oh, head. Man. And then it was like, oh, again, it would be like retching, vomit, right? And so, and then you scramble, like you're in, you're in a fight. It's like a yeah. video game. Like you're in God of War and you're this little guy and jealousy is Zeus. And you're yeah. like, how the fuck am I going to beat jealousy? The minute he looks at me, I'm down taking a knee and I'm ready to vomit. Well, you adapt. You start to figure out, all right, what's going to work? Is it maybe, maybe you can build your ego up and I'll build yeah. myself and I'll be as big as Zeus and my ego will be as big as Zeus and I'll show him how strong I am. No, you're never going to be as big as Zeus, right? So then you find the other path, which is always 
pretending to be surrender, surrendering your control and just realizing like, okay, that's the feeling that I'm feeling. But maybe there's a different way to feel. Maybe there's a way to see her as me living a different life, see her lover as me living a different life, Mm -hmm. see pleasure being transferred and see that as being a good thing. Why should someone else's love or love in general, which is not in scarcity, why should that cause pain? And then start focusing on the consciousness and the surrender and the letting go. And then through that, this monster you've been avoiding for so long becomes your greatest teacher. Mm. You know, and that that's one of the, you know, strongest kind of metaphors for me is like this thing that was a beast and is a beast in all of our lives can be like the wisest, <laughs> wisest mentor you've ever had if you're willing to put yourself through it. And I'm not saying like everybody go out and do this. It's a fucking, it's a beast to do. And it's yeah. not like I'm advocating this for everybody, but anything can be your mentor if you're willing to put yourself in the fire and learn from it. Yeah, and man, you, the the mentor of an open relationship. Fuck. Yeah, like I, I feel like I wanted to throw up oh. hearing you talk about it. <laughs> Like, it, and I'm not involved with Whitney at all. She's wonderful. I met her, but or it's like, ooh, dog. Are you? Yeah. Uh, Have Aubrey, we revealed I, the truth? I uh, wanted on. to talk to you about something. Um, but I'm curious. So, roughly, welcome to my show, Aubrey. I'm yeah. so happy to have you. Roughly, how long ago did you guys start the open part of the relationship? That's about three years ago. It's so. Let's just say three years ago that the jealousy, the oh, doggy yeah. style flashing in your mind. Yeah. If that was like a 10 intensity, like zero to 10, like what is it present day three years later? Man, it's like a one, but occasional, occasional spikes, like yeah. occasional like EKG blips. <laughs> your heart like yeah, like a little, you know, and then, but the, but the pathways to access the consciousness that allows you there's only way one way through it and that's above it you know that's like again like einstein said you can't solve a problem on the same level in which it was created like you can't solve these attacks of the ego identifying as ego like you have to ascend to your conscious self you know and then as consciousness as the observer of the ego as the force that's animating life then you can make the move so it's just a quicker journey out of the ego and out of my identity and attachments and all those Mm. it's a much quicker move now but, but you'll still get the blip that'll force me to like, whew, okay, well, I got to do that. But that's, it happens wicked fast. So maybe it'll blip to, it's not full take a knee nausea, but it'll blip to seven or six yeah. still. And then, but then right again, back down to baseline one, two, you know, somewhere in that, in that low range, which is cool. Yeah. And I'm curious because I hear a lot of people, not not a lot, but definitely people talk about open relationships and I just you know, personally with me and my girl, like it, that's not our thing at uh-huh. all. That's not our calling. Uh, we find other ways to take a knee, uh, <laughs> the, the knee of fire. Yeah, if you will. Sure. So I hear a lot of people call their relationships open, but they can be very different. So like I'm some of the open relationships that I hear described are called open, but they're very closed and secretive. And I'm curious, like, do you guys have an open policy? Like we talk about everything or we, we kind of do what we want to do, but don't necessarily bring it up. Kind of don't ask. No, I mean, again, we, we tend to embrace the fire, Mm -hmm. you know, like we don't need specifics. Like, well, how long was it? Well, how big was it? And then the come shot. (laughs) (laughs) Where did he finish? (laughs) You know, like that's not the question that we're asking. You know, there's certain, there's privacy of the moment between two people, but 
other than that, there's nothing else that we hide, whether emotions are building or what thoughts are, you know, what thoughts are there, what's, you know, how we're feeling. I think that for us is the way, you know, is yeah. to really put ourselves in that situation. And because then you have this perfect honesty and that's the real blessing of all this is that there's yeah. absolutely nothing hidden from your partner. And then that becomes, again, just back to bring this full circle back to, back to what we're talking about, complete transparency. She sees every part of me, my desires, my actions. She permits and encourages and allows the freedom and I do the same. Mm. So we're really fully supporting all elements of each other from the beautiful sentient part to the you know hairy asshole part, <laughs> you know, that, that grimy animal beast self, you know, loving all aspects and saying like, hey, I see you, all of it, yeah. and I love you. And you know, I hold no record of wrong. Like this is, this, I, whatever makes you happy makes me happy and that's the ideal that we're trying to to follow and that's the that's the guide star that's what gets you through these dark moments where you know you're at an eight or a ten of suffering for sometimes days or weeks or you know sometimes you bury it and then it yeah. it forms this little cancerous mon- resentment monster that manifests in other things that you think you've dealt with but you haven't dealt with it and then your actions start getting a little funny and then you're no longer grateful for your, the things that your partner is doing and then things get weird because you mm-hmm. haven't really acknowledged like oh wait i was still feeling some things and i was just pretending that i wasn't feeling those things so it's a fucking powerful powerful teacher and again this is not me advocating it but for me this is the only path that i could possibly undertake and still be able to breathe and feel mm-hmm. like love was actually you know transferring between us because it's complete transparency it's really seeing each other yeah i love that and to me, one of the morals of the your story that I'm taking away is like your to me, your message is you mentioned like you're not advocating an open relationship is for everybody, but to me, a universal message within your message is open your relationship in a way that creates more connection. Totally. Whether that's other lovers or like, you know, we need to be more open and communicate more honestly our emotions. Mm-hmm. Like if if I'm angry at you, like let's talk about that instead of me concealing it. And then seven fucking years later, I'm just a resentful bastard because I'm burying all these emotions that I'm, I don't feel like there's a safe space to let them out. So it's a very close concealed yeah. kind of thing. So to me, like, yeah, we we need more openness that creates connection and that's where like communion happens totally and some would say the purpose of a relationship is connection rather than just reaffirming patterns of disconnection over and over again while we tolerate each other mm-hmm. for and, the and till des- death do us part yeah and desires too like when did when does a desire when did that become something that's we're not supposed to have when did that become taboo or forbidden you can set whatever you rules rules you want as far as actions but to be honest about your desires like if your partner is really into transvestites, like you better know that and sure. still love them. Because if you don't, then there's actually a story about this. Like recently, one of my buddies, you know, the girl that he's dating was married for like seven years, found out that her husband was mad for transvestites and was like having sex with transvestite prostitutes constantly looking at transvestite porn. And it's obviously completely devastating. It's like, yeah. I didn't even fucking know you. You know what I mean? Like, like these things that these things that we have, like if that's going to be your real partner and you're really going to feel love, like whatever, whatever weird thing it is, 
like let it out in the open and then the partner just you know receive that without judgment you know your own perceptions about what it is see where that see where that's coming from and then at that point you can say look man i respect that you open up about that it's not going to work for me i can't can't, like i can't be with someone who's also seeing transvestite prostitutes but thank you for opening up like regular prostitutes yes (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly but not apparently not yeah but then at least it's real and then because you can't you can't hide it forever you can't pretend indefinitely you gotta like let let out the truth man uh, yeah otherwise to me it's a big control mechanism let me try to control you and manipulate how you feel about me and control keep you in my life by controlling you be by modulating what i don't tell you about me yeah because it's like black magic absolutely and the reality is like not everybody's going to be able to hold the perfect space for us like you said you know wow okay transvestite prostitutes i don't have the courage to be (laughs) with that all (laughs) the time and that's like short-term pain the relationship ends we've all been through like relationships even the relationships that need to end are painful to end yeah i mean it's breaking a pattern of familiarity and you know uncomfortable comfort yet that short-term discomfort how much freedom and pleasure does that create long-term if we're able to have a tough conversation in the short term it's like wow the we had a couple trees burned down mm-hmm. instead of the whole forest progressively yeah. over 10 years and the pain so much of the pain happens when you get these people traveling on two different paths and the secrecy mm-hmm. builds because yeah. then that's when the betrayal builds like if you start off honest and you keep honest the whole way you should be kind of kind of knowing where this thing's going if you're both able to like look into each other's heart constantly and see the truth like it's not going to be like all of a sudden that person's going to run in like hey this isn't working out yeah you know like what do you mean it's not working out everything seemed great because because one person was pretending that everything was good right but if you really just keep it a hundred the whole way through then there's not going to be that surprise shocking betrayal moment what do you mean how could this be how come you didn't tell me what like this shit that makes it really painful where it's like surprise and all of a sudden everything's good 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 abrupt stop and never see that person again like that sucks but if you can stay honest the whole way through then i think you can avoid a lot of that and maybe even if you guys transition on like one of my best friends in the world is my fiance is my ex-fiance caitlin and we had we had a little bit of that you know we had that abrupt thing but we had enough truth that we've been able to come back and stay really close friends Mm -hmm. which is breaking a a traditional model of like once you break up with someone you've yeah. had sex with you can never be friends with them again we have to pretend like we hate each other in <laughs> yeah, order exactly. to justify the breakup which is nonsense you know <laughs> but like writing the truth the whole way just it ch- rewrites the whole rule system yeah. that you have and i think that's the that's the real lesson of this it's not what you do with your bodies like that's the easy part yeah. you know we have good you know frontal cortexes that we have good cortex that can restrict us from indulging in the pleasure like i would i would stop at in and out or P. Terry's every single day if I didn't have like that part of my brain. Like we can stop ourselves from doing that. Yeah. But if I couldn't tell, you know, if I couldn't tell Whitney that I secretly love cheeseburgers, yeah. I got I would be fucked, and, right? And she's sitting behind you and she looks like she's ready to walk out now that you just said you love cheeseburgers. <laughs> just saying, but keep your eyes on me, Aubrey. So yeah, okay. I want you to avoid the this pain. And then imagine like going by a cheeseburger place and be like, don't look at the cheeseburgers, don't look at the cheeseburger, yeah, don't look at the cheeseburger. Sure. And knowing if you did, like, did you look at that fucking cheeseburger? 
you fu- you fucking looked at that cheeseburger and then then you're off to the races three hour fight maybe it's three days maybe it's three weeks yeah. going after it. you fucking looked at that cheeseburger didn't you man speaking of cheeseburgers my lovely lady amber man she just she's so my heart just lights up for she she's a vegan has mm-hmm. been for eight or nine years i like how you're already laughing <laughs> And I am, you well, know, I just, I'm just laughing because I've used cheeseburger like 14 times in my, I know, in my analogies today. Thus we're at veganism. Yeah. And I, you know, I eat a hardcore vegan diet myself and simultaneously eat a meat eater diet because I, you know, I don't think they need to be uh-huh. mutually exclusive, but a lot of, in my, and Amber is so loving and accepting of me. And honestly, I have the courage to give myself to her. I have the courage to uh, let me be received by her and receive her. So it's very interesting how a lot of people they'll, you know, maybe comment online like, Oh, wow, she's a vegan and you eat meat, JP. Like, how do you guys get along? Yeah. And then sometimes like I'll see people comment on a, you know, a post of hers or a video and say like, Amber, you should be with a guy who's a vegan. And and whoa whoa that is a that it's is a so whoa. funny how it's transcended a diet choice right well, it's for, like an identity yeah piece. and to me that's just it's not about the diet it's just people being blocked out of their heart so i think we have this weird hypnotic trance we're under that says we can only accept people that we agree with yeah and that right. is not acceptance that's agreement. It's like an agreement-based relationship which is based out of our fucking heads not our hearts but to me, real acceptance and condition uh, um, connection comes when we can especially accept people when they think differently than us. Totally. When we can accept people, even though we disagree with their values, and not even have the hidden agenda of like, well, I'm going to accept you, get get you into my life so that I can change your mind. But no, like I look at Amber, like you're a vegan and awesome. Mm-hmm. Like we have different ideas of what will feed our bodies well like very different ideas yet we accept each other and to me the the courageous place to be is in a like-hearted relationship i think you know intimate lover and even like friends i think this whole thing about like-minded relationships is just a recipe recipe for comfort like let me surround myself with people who just agree with me so we can sit around agree with each other all day and we won't fucking grow because i think it takes it takes challenge. It takes friction in order to grow. So to live from our fucking hearts, mm-hmm. the the question that I want to ask myself every day is, can I accept even that which I disagree with? Can I accept you even though we don't agree about all things? And if so, like wonderful, we will be wonderfully connected even though our trajectories might be different. We're still like connected at the heart. and. Man, I feel like I'm on a soapbox right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I love hearing what you're saying. I can't agree more. I think the, the other thing is, like, let's stop focusing on these pieces of our identity and focus on what we really are, which is our consciousness, yeah. like who we really are, like vegan, German, American. It reminds me of that, you know, in, in, world, in the World War, I think World War I, where at Christmas, they started kicking a soccer ball around between each other, right? And mm. the allies and uh, the allies and the, and the Axis forces, you know, Americans and Germans, they were play, played a game of soccer and they mm-hmm. realized like, oh shit, these are just 18, 19, 20 year old dudes just like me. They have a different flag. 
and they like soccer and it's like this is fucked you know and they didn't want to shoot each other after that like commanding officers literally had to threaten them as the story goes like threaten them with their pistols to get back in there and start firing guns at each other they're like man it's the same dude that's the same dude as me just in a different country like but instead even so we don't have that kind of we do actually we do still have that war thing it doesn't affect most of us but we still have these ideas about them is this other thing and us is this thing but we do it not so much in that grand military contest but in things like veganism or in things like you know even still in race and privilege and all of these things these are these identity tags yeah. that we start categorizing people by identity tags whatever that is when that's all bullshit it's all bullshit you know yeah. we're really humans different facets of this same diamond called humanity which is also part of the same diamond called life itself which is also part of the same diamond called the fucking universe god in all existence you know that that oneness that we try to carve out and create additional separateness that's bullshit and it's fucked up and it's the fundamental reason why we have so much conflict the fundamental reason why we can do something fucked up to somebody yeah if you really see that person as you living a different life you're not going to be able to to justify doing something fucked up to them but if that's someone different or lesser you know it's this initial kind of sociopathic kind of idea like oh well they're that category so i judge them as that identity and so they're not that and if they are that identity identities are bullshit and not real anyway so you can do something to an identity but to do something to a person yeah that's a different story because a person is the same as you for sure and i think that's where we get so fucked up as we start looking at these belief projections these identities rather than oh no that's that's me that i'm doing this to for sure and to me the recipe for an empty feeling life is think you are you know identify with something that you're not it's like okay now the purpose of your life isn't to live your life it's to pretend that you're something you know, you identify veganism mm-hmm. or meat eater or Christian. You identify with, those are all different religions, by the way. <laughs> you identify with something that you comprehend. And I think that's very appealing to our egos. The ego like looks at the m- incomprehensible mystery that we really are and says, fuck that. I can't comprehend it. So let me pretend I'm something so small because I can comprehend that I'll be vegan, I'll be Christian, I'll be paleo. And man, talk about violating the purpose of our life, which I don't know what the purpose of our life is, but if I was pretending to know what the purpose of our life is, I would guess it would have something to do with being ourselves. Not not being something else we're identified with that we're not, but I think we're always bigger than whatever it is we identify with. And I, I think language is so powerful, especially when we pay attention to it. When we listen to the words that follow my, anytime we say my, I dare say we're revealing something that we think we are. Like this is my water. Like after the sound, mm, mm. it's I, this is, I, this is I water. It's like the yeah, caveman yeah. speak. I water, yeah. I meat eater. I, uh, Muslim, I, I Christian. And it's just like this, wow, we think we're all these things that we're not. Yeah. And, and that is what's appealing because it allows, when you identify as that, it allows you to do the ego's favorite trick, which is to shit on other people, right? And to differentiate and, and prove that you're superior. 
you know, like, mm. ah, I'm vegan. So everybody who's not is lesser than me. So fuck off. I'm meat eater. I'm, I'm paleo. I'm ancestral. Look at all these modern humans who've lost touch <laughs> with their, with their, with their ancestral roots. You know, like it just allows you to shit on people. It becomes For no sure. longer like a choice. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Do things that the old humans used to do. Or, oh yeah, maybe we're eating too many fucking processed meats and shit. And maybe the way that animals treat it is bullshit. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to make some choices. It's not that. It's like, I'm this and you're not, so fuck you. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. and that's the game that we constantly get trapped in. The ego, it, it's not real, so it justifies itself by ranking itself amongst other non-real things, other non-identities, and that's the game. Elevate this non-real thing to above the other non-real things, yeah. and that's the whole game that we get wrapped up in playing. Yeah. It, so on that note, if I were going to confessional right now <laughs> Aubrey you're not a priest are you no okay that's why uh, I feel so unviolated right now probably <laughs> well I mean that, I, I that, may violate you but I'm not a, I'm not a priest. but it won't be under the guise of Catholicism <laughs> yeah, totally. and uh, by the way uh, all you Catholics I realize you feel a burning sensation in your bodies <laughs> right now you're, you're offended I just want you to know that whatever emotions you're feeling right now they're my fault it's not that your body's <laughs> generating them it's not that you feel insecure about something to do with what you're identified with it's my fault mm -hmm. so nonetheless <laughs> if I were in confessional right now Aubrey I would say like you know I have an ego and I pretend I don't have an ego. Sure. I just pretend it's me. <laughs> but nonetheless, my ego has this insatiable, needy fucking need, just to use the word need like twice in one sentence. That's how big of a vocabulary Emphasis. I have. So I have this needy fucking ego that has this insatiable need to feel significant. Mm. And most of the time, I'm not honest with it. Most of the time, I pretend like I'm doing something else. I misdirect this huge energy that just wants to beg the world to tell me I'm significant, but I, I won't reveal that in a straightforward way because that feels too vulnerable. So instead I'll hide it. I'll misdirect it. And that causes destruction usually, mm -hmm. but that's really coming from this part of me that just wants to feel significant, wants to be more than what I think I am. And in a way, I think that's an appropriate desire because maybe who I really am is more than I think I am. But the way to go about discovering the more that I am, the more that we all are, isn't through shitting on other people. Right. It's maybe surrendering control and like bowing down in humbleness and dipping our heads into the river of discovery of like, okay, I've learned who I'm not. Like whoever I think I am is who I'm not. Now I can be open to maybe learn and self-realize who I am rather than trying to define it and make it happen. So that would be my ego going to confessional yeah, to, to hopefully lift the burden of having all this misdirected bullshit of trying to be significant shit on other people that just creates more disconnection within self, I think, and other people. Yeah. The ego, and, and I've started using the word identity because I think it's a little easier for people to wrap their heads yeah, around. Yeah. Like your identity, you know, it, it, it thrives on the delusion that it's not enough, right? Like it has to have that as a core delusion because it's always striving for more. Like you said, 
it just wants significance. It wants to be real. It's like Pinocchio that wants to be a real boy. Mm-hmm. And it thinks if it's significant enough, it's going to make it more real. If more people believe in it, you know, belief being the force that empowers the realness, the more you believe in it, the more other people believe in it, the more it becomes a real boy, you know, and the more it can rise itself up there, that's the game it's playing. But it's essentially, you know, fueled by the delusion that you, the true you, is not enough. Mm-hmm. And that's something that when you realize like, oh, I am enough just for me, not because of what I created or because of the things that I've done, you know, which, you know, as you get in a position, you know, even like I'm in, you know, a lot of, a lot of the growth of on it is and a lot of the challenges of it is I have more things to attach my identity to. And so Mm. it feels more threatening to lose it. I bet. And so it's like, oh man, if I lost on it, it's like losing a piece of me. No, it's not. It's, I love this fucking place. I put my heart into it, but this is this is a, a thing i know i'm me it doesn't make me less or it doesn't you know take the essential me and make me worthless if on it fails or if yeah. i fail i'm enough it just being me and the rest is just you know the creation that we're trying to do this movement that we're trying to create these sand castles that we're building yeah. which should be fun but it becomes not fun when you identify it becomes when you when you make your identity your creations part of you then you defend them as if they're life or death. And then For you attach sure. life and death emotions, the same stress that you would attach if a saber tooth fucking cat was trying to bite your neck, you know, is the same thing you would look at as if someone is trying to sue your company. You For know what sure. I mean? It, and it's, it's possible to still, it's actually better when you play the game without that stress because you don't make good decisions over sustained weeks of pressure and stress and anxiety. Mm you make the best decisions when you're like a, a ch- world champion fighter, light in the yeah. moment with a little smile and, and relaxed and ability to improvise and almost dance through this thing instead of biting your teeth and just grinding and ah. For sure. That's not, that's not how the best performances are. They seem effortless and, and it's the same with life. And the key to that is just realizing I'm enough and these things are fun. They may come, they may yeah. go. I'll put my heart and my passion into it, but all good. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the reason why a lot of people don't allow themselves to quote unquote do big things, start the business, just whatever it is, is because there's the fear of, okay, I'll start the business. It'd be scary as shit if it just failed and didn't get off the ground. But even scarier is the business really succeeds. And then we inherently know like, yeah, I'm a fucked up human. So of course I'm going to identify <laughs> with that. I'll think that business sure. is me. And then we all know like no business lasts forever. And like nature will erode everything. Yeah. Eventually the business in one way or another will not be yours anymore. The tide comes for all your fucking sandcastles. You just have to, <laughs> you just have to realize like yeah. build it up as big as you want. The tide's going to come. I, I was, I was having coffee with a friend uh, this morning and he, he recently just sold a business. He had a cashed out, like a really great lucrative exit. And he's been telling me the past couple of weeks, like the challenge of that, because he just had the death of who he thought he was. Right. So like, there's this great celebration, like, man, look at all this cash. Like this went well, you couldn't have scripted it better. Business built, sold perfect. And he's suffering the loss of identity. So I think a lot of people kind of get into the mindset of preventative medicine. Let me just 
self-sabotage so the business never gets built so I don't have to go through the grief of losing my sense of who I am, whether it's like I cash out or it builds and then it fails or whatever it might be. So I think a willingness to, like you said, realize that's not who I am. And then also a willingness to realize, but a part of me is going to think it is. <laughs> yeah. me. So yeah, I forgive the human part of it. You for know? Sure. Don't hold yourself to a standard of, I heard JP and Aubrey talking about ego. I'm not going to have any. Which is so egotistical. Exactly, right? (laughs) Like, we all, me, you, everybody, we all fucking struggle with the same shit. We all get lost in the forest of delusions. We all fuck up, do stupid stuff. Like, I knew that 20 years ago, and I still didn't fucking figure it out. Like, but that's human. That's just remembering and forgetting this game that we're constantly playing. For sure. But the prophylactic, like, the preventative, the preventative actions towards pain, are one of the biggest limiting factors because it not only happens in business, you were fucking spot on with that. Happens in love too. Oh, like people man. not willing to take a risk because they might get rejected. Yeah. You know, so it's like they'll pretend like, oh, you know, no one's just, no one's appealing to me, you know, and blah, blah, yeah. blah. But really it's, they just don't want to put themselves out there because they're afraid of getting attached, you know, having something that's, that's really meaningful to them and then have, and then losing it. Yeah. Well, guess what? Like you're guaranteed again, back to guaranteeing a loss. Here we go again. I'm going to lock in this loss. I'm going to sure. lock in this shit sandwich. Cause at least it's a sandwich. You know what I mean? Rather than <laughs> at say, least it's a sandwich <laughs> rather than just being like, all right, you know, maybe a shit sandwich, but maybe it's the fucking yeah. buffet. Like let's give it a go. Let's roll the dice. Absolutely. Pow. You know, I, I've been in past relationships and I have friends who, who are married and they'll literally say like, I don't like my wife. (laughs) I I do not like my wife. And like, I'm reading them and I'm like, I bet you wish she would die. (laughs) But that's the plain safe thing. Like when their wife inevitably is eroded through the hands of sands of time, however it happens, it's like, okay, they're, they're protected because they're not deeply connected. They don't deeply care. And I can genuinely say my lady is the love of my life. If she were to, God forbid, something happened to her tomorrow, or she said, JP, I'm done with you. Like, man, I would, I would feel like I'm falling apart for a long time. Sure. I would have so much grief. And at least I risked living something real rather than this shallow. So let me be with a woman who I don't even care about. So I won't really give too much of a shit if and when she leaves me or if and when she dies. Yeah. But I, I think we deserve better than that. I think the quality of our life is very directly proportional to our willingness to take risk and encounter uncomfortability. Yeah. And, and part of this thing that we're trying to cling for is this, this idea of eternity as if time doesn't exist. It's going to be forever. <laughs> it's going to be forever. That's and a that's, control drama yeah, right could, That's such a control drama. And one of the beautiful things <laughs> to quote the movie Troy, <laughs> as from, you do, as you do. But when and Brad Pitt's character, who's Achilles, was explaining to his chick, I forget her name, but um, he was like, "Let me tell you a secret: the gods envy us because we're mortal." Yeah. And that idea that what makes things so beautiful is because they're not going to last. It's the yeah. same metaphor that the samurai had with the cherry blossom tree. Like it blossoms only for a few days. And that's what makes it beautiful. If that yeah. cherry blossom tree blossomed for the whole fucking year, you know, it'd be like, oh yeah, there's the tree. Eventually it'd be an eyesore. Like, let's cut that <laughs> yeah. tree down. Yeah, totally. Because, but 
what I hear you say is like we we value preciousness, rarity. We we value impermanence. And it's scary. Yeah. Because it will be lost. Yeah. And yet we struggle for permanence as if as if time won't rip anything we're grabbing, like fingernails stuck into it, the harder we hold on to it. Just let it go, man. We're all gonna die. Guess what? We're all gonna die. Like the king in the pond and everybody all goes in the same box. That's the Italian (laughs) proverb, right? It doesn't matter what the everybody's dying. You know, that's it. And then so let's just enjoy it. Let it pass. Enjoy the phases of life too. Like so many people cling to these these phases. And it's it's something I see it's I think sad that happens with particularly with women. Is they we've we've idolized this youthful beauty model rather than appreciating all of the different stages of maturation, which each have their own inherent beautiful magic. So everybody's just clinging to try to be like look like they were when they were twenty one years old. Well, that's no way to go because time is pushing you the other way. So you're fighting this constant losing battle that at some point you're going to have to reconcile. I'm not saying you know give it all up, don't work out and do the things, but let it go, like appreciate every stage that you're in. And men, you know, it's not like we're different. We do the same thing, like fucking hair transplants and <laughs> all of the different procedures we do to keep our virility in our youth. Like, yeah, that's fine. Like, enjoy that. Enjoy all that. But just make sure it's fun and make sure you're not obsessed with it and make sure that you're realizing that you're all headed in the same direction and enjoy those phases too. Don't just hearken back to the glory days of some other time. For make sure. every day a different type of glory day. Yeah, I, I think life is a force of nature so much more powerful than our itty bitty human will. Mm-hmm. Like we want the foreverness and this river of life says, yeah, you're not gonna get it. The current is strong. Yeah. You can swim against it and fucking good luck enjoying that. <laughs> good luck realizing you're just going backwards the whole time while you're wearing yourself out. And yeah. There's the, the Zen proverb. I don't know if it's a proverb, but I like using that word. I feel like anything I say after it will be more value. So there's a Zen proverb. I don't even know if it's Zen. That says, contentment comes from accepting things as they are without the need for them to be otherwise. So like when we're 49, can we accept like that is at least as beautiful, if not more beautiful than when we were 29. And then when we're 89, mm-hmm. we're maybe a little more shriveled. Maybe we're don't run as fast, but where's the beauty in that? And I would dare say the beauty's there. The question is, are we acknowledging it? Do mm-hmm. we have the awareness for it? Or are we resisting the river of life, trying to make it other than the way it is? You could spend a whole life, and a lot of people do, when you're younger trying to be older, you know, <laughs> you're freshman in, freshman in high school, man, I can't wait till I'm a senior, you know? And then senior, like, oh man, I just gotta get to college. And then in college, uh, even me, I was, when I was in college, I was just so freaked out about what I was gonna do when I got out and like, yeah. and what, what, how I was gonna make my mark and blah, blah, blah. I mean, literally could track back my whole life, stressed about some phase that I was eager to get to. Yeah. You know, where and and robbing myself, and and I enjoyed myself along the way. You know, and I, I learned a lot of lessons. But if I was going to give my old self some advice, just like enjoy the the spot that I'm in. At 22, Man. I wasn't ready to own on it and have this thing. I wasn't ready yet. So enjoy that phase, keep learning, but don't beat myself up over it. You know, like don't 
freak out and like, oh, I just got to get this. I got to do this or I got to do that. And I hope, you know, as I get older, I'm not going to go back. Oh man, if I was only, you know, 34 again, you know, I can't hit the heavy bag like I used to. And uh, maybe I'm not, you know, just enjoy it. As you said, I mean, you said it perfectly eloquently, like the magic in every stage and just really live that. And then you've lived all the stages of your life. But if you don't, if you're always projecting in the future or the past, you might not have lived at all. Man, big time. I think just because we're alive doesn't mean we're actually living. I think living is embodiment of the journey, not just like going through the journey unembodied, not being present for our life, not being present with where we're at, who we are and what's in front of us. And I catch myself deflecting even like in the micro, like on a daily basis, rather than just, I mean, I do the macro too. Like when I'm young, I want to be old. When I'm old, like I wish I was 25 again. (laughs) But like in the micro of my day, sometimes like I'll be going through my morning routine. It's like, okay, now I'm doing my walk and I'm already thinking about doing my meditation after the walk. (laughs) Then I'm doing the meditation and now I'm thinking about my creative time. Totally. Then I'm in my creative time and now I'm thinking about the workout I'll be doing later. Then I'm in the workout thinking about like calls I have or whatever it is. So when I catch myself doing that, which is freaking all the time. And when I don't catch myself doing it, I'm probably doing it. I'm just not aware that I'm doing it. But when I, there's a paradox. I think when we catch ourselves doing it, that is the doorway into presence. Mm -hmm. When we catch ourselves deflecting into the future or the past, we can use that as an opportunity to root into the presence. I think the awareness of how we're losing ourselves is what allows us to find ourselves. And, and not to get too ultra spiritual, but just to bring a little Eckhart Tolle into this mm-hmm. conversation. Bring him. We want to be legit. He's welcome. We're going to talk about Eckhart Come Tolle. Come on. Some of the stuff I've heard him talk about is your primary purpose is always what you're doing right now. So if that's half true, and I like the way I feel 100%. when I like think about that and live it, like it feels good. So I'm going to use it. So you and I right now, like maybe our primary purpose is to be looking at each other in the eye and to be having this conversation. And maybe the secondary purpose is for this conversation to then be released. Other people listen to it, find their meaning in it. But primary is maybe what we're doing right now, not what we'll be doing five minutes from now, not what we were five years ago, not what we want to be five years from now. And, and I find it somehow fascinating and shocking how much I need those reminders. Oh, hell yeah. You ever find yourself in a situation that's so good that you almost start trying to make it worse? Oh, 100%. You know, like I, I've, like I've how fucked up whole, is that? Yeah, I, I caught myself doing that so many times. Like, this is so fucking good. Let me put some mental program to diminish this, drop this down. And that's, again, this is this defense mechanism, like, Man, if life is this good, I'm really going to be scared to death. Yeah. You know, so it's almost like this preventative pain action that we're taking even about life as one of the drivers of why we're escaping into these programs and not enjoying it. Because when you're really present, I mean, life is really fucking good. I mean, there's been times. And one of the things I think that I love about the plants is they can help really help my brain, which is really fucked up and challenging (laughs) and tangled. And, you know, I appreciate it for what it does, but it also is my greatest tormentor you know like the difference between going skiing when i'm just normally skiing i enjoy skiing skiing's great but then i'm thinking about you know this thing that's happening i'm running Uh programs in my mind 
I take a little bit of mushrooms and go skiing and it's like the greatest experience I've ever had. Like, fuck, the mountains are beautiful. <laughs> oh my God, my music sounds so good. The air is so fresh and clean. I'm gliding over snow. This yeah. is incredible. I feel G-forces. My body's moving. I'm with my friends. And it's like that amount of time, it's just life is so fucking good. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we're afraid to feel that sometimes. We're afraid For to feel sure. how good it is because- Again, it's, we know it's temporary, but fuck that, you know, like find those ways to feel how good it is. Cause then it makes it all, then it puts things in perspective. Then you realize yeah. like, oh yeah, like this is what I'm here for. I'm here to really enjoy myself and to really find this experience. And I'm super grateful for the plants for helping give me like a little leg up, like a little boost, yeah. you know, like I'm a kid who's struggling to get onto this ledge and like mushrooms are like a, like a uncle is like. Come on, buddy. You want to get up there? Like I know the fruit <laughs> roll-ups. Mushroom. Are, yeah, I know. I know the fruit roll-ups are up there. I know you want to take a bite. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, Uncle. You know, and then I'm just feasting on the pleasures of life, and that's yeah. been a lesson. And then you learn, you know, that helps you figure out how to get back there and figure that out. And again, this is not me advocating mushrooms. This is me being a toddler with an oversized brain that sure, couldn't figure yeah. out how to get on the counter of awareness and having needing some help. But but that's that's it. You know, just finding those ways to to be fully present and yeah. realizing it's okay to feel this good even if it's not going to happen forever. Yeah, and and when we're done feeling this good, having a peak experience, life is relative as yeah. Einstein brainwashed us all to believe. So, after the peak experience, it's going to feel relatively not good. There there's a letdown effect and sure. that too is okay. Like I I mean, there's when I finished I wrote a book I don't know, finished writing it a while ago, came out a little less while ago to mm -hmm. use uncorrect English. The writing process was a peak experience for me. It was a, a beautiful inward creative journey. And when I finished writing the first draft of the book, I grieved. Mm -hmm. I felt legitly depressed for a week because now I, I was peaked for the, the few months long writing process there was just like this beautiful place I'd go to inside. I, I, I didn't know how to get there without the writing. Mm. And now I don't have that journey. The book is written. Wow, I feel grief. My first instinct was to uh, avoid that feeling. So I noticed this impulse. And the very next day after I finished writing the book, I wanted to start my next book. But then, you know, as the philosopher Ice Cube would say, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> so I checked myself and I'm like, all right, that's not coming from a genuine yeah. place of let's energize a new project. That would be coming from a place of trying to avoid what I feel right now. So I surrendered to it. I'm like, I'm going to let myself grieve. Yeah. I'm Let myself feel the valley. Like I peaked. Let's feel the valley now. And it's okay. Like what I'm feeling right now, it, it's the yin and the yang. It's part of the whole picture. And when we, when we don't let ourselves have those peak experiences, because we're maybe, maybe secretly afraid of the valley, you know, losing the peak experience doesn't last forever. Life starts to be very flat. Mm. And we all know what a flat line represents. It's like the that's worst. lifelessness. The, the grayness. That's the For enemy. Sure. It's not the highs and the lows. It's the nothing. You know, Absolutely. like the void is the scariest part of a psychedelic journey. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you ever encountered the void, 
the void feels like there's not anything. For me, it was like this muddy brown color and there's nothing, not a rock, not a demon, not mm. an angel, not a blade of grass, not a color, nothing, the void. Like that's the enemy. You know, it's not the, it's not the scary ones where I'm encountering hell and all the minions. And like, that's still beautiful in a way, but it's mm. the nothing that's the, and that's where we try and put our emotions and, and things. And, and another thing I wanted to hark back to is I was talking to Jamie Foxx on the podcast and he was describing that exact same thing. He's using the yin and yang symbol and being like, you know, within, contained within the light, contained within your greatest success is that circle of darkness. Mm. Like you cannot separate the two. It's the way it the universe works. So contained in your finishing the book is that circle of grief and sorrow. And to not yeah. acknowledge it is to just run from the truth. Like it all comes with these different elements contained within your darkness, your rock bottom is this brilliant circle of light, this lesson, this value that you're gonna harness from this, this pearl of wisdom and strength that you'll be able to take from it. There's a balance, there's a cosmic balance, and that symbol you know, is really a good one to remind us of those facts. Like, and even for people, like, people who win a championship or a Stanley Cup or a Super Bowl, or my mom was a professional tennis player, she talked about it all the time, win a big tournament, the letdown comes. For sure. You know, and it's just, it's just it, it just is it's like a universal law like yeah. fucking gravity or that the earth is flat you know what i mean like universal <laughs> man i hate i hate round planets <laughs> aubrey i fucking hate them yeah <laughs> we're a bunch of we're a bunch of round earth shills here on this thing just just taking the taking the party line <laughs> oh, i'm the are funny the round earth shill note <laughs> yeah I love it. Um, shit, man. This is fun. This is fun getting with you and hanging with you. I feel like I haven't asked you enough questions. but um, And just so you know, I'm cool with that. Like, I love, <laughs> like, please grieve the questions you didn't ask. But I love having a conversation with you. Yeah. Like, you are, like, I'm not just trying to flatter you with compliments. You are a very deep weird person yes thank you i'll You're, take the weird part for sure oh for sure i think normal is the most pervasive disease in our society mm-hmm. it in it's very it's a very infectious disease and it's very contagious yeah i think weird is a it's a gluten-free breadcrumb trail to our authenticity <laughs> the reason why you know, our weirdness is defined as weird is because it comes from our unique authentic self and I love how you let your authenticity shine and it comes out through your, your weirdness. And I, I, to me, you are a person who explores mystery. There's no other quality that I, in a, another person that I respect more than he or she who is willing to explore mystery rather than just staying rooted in the coffin of their comfort zone of certainty. So you know, being able to just talk with you being one of these curious explorers of life is just an absolute thrill. And honestly, I think it'd be a freaking disservice to me. (laughs) I don't give a crap about anybody listening right now, but it would be a disservice to me. Like you just ask me a bunch of questions, act like, well, I'm the interviewer. And it's like, okay, now I'll listen to myself say things that I already know. I'm not but, really good at that, that interviewer mode anyways. But. You're, you're not. And I, I think because you're above it, yeah. for sure. You're a curious explorer of life embodying the journey. As are you, it. my friend. And I think for, you know, for me, one of the most important services that you provide is a little 
is a little shake for the spiritual materialism, the identity mm-hmm. attachment, a little thing. Because no matter what aspect that is, it, it is, the one unifying thing between all truly spiritual people is laughter. Yeah. Like, do not ever go to a plant medicine ceremony with a shaman who can't laugh. Mm. Like, don't fucking do it. Don't do it. Because they're not at the level where they see that this is what it's about. It's about not taking anything too seriously because yeah. everything's, everything's all good. No matter what happens, it's all good. If you get wrapped up in the seriousness of everything, you haven't reached a level of mastery that I want you to lead me through the other side. And the best ones that I've worked sure. with, they laugh the best. They laugh the deepest. You know, from Don Miguel Ruiz to you know Don Howard to yeah. Maestro Hamilton to all of these people, like their laughter is booming. Maestro Alberto, all the all the great teachers, Ted Decker, the mentors that I have, you know, the people I learned the most from, we laugh. You know, and For that's sure, a service yeah. that I think you provide and remind people of that yeah if you can't make fun of yourself and realize that this thing is really funny then you're playing the wrong game yeah yeah i i do think laughter it the the energy of laughter it's an alchemist it helps us transform i think when we and i think the things we need to laugh about the most are the things we take most seriously the things we feel most offended by the things we feel most self-identified with yeah which is which means it's a bit of a challenge to get there and laugh at those things not in a way where we're shaming ourselves but in a way where we're actually understanding ourselves and i think when we're laughing at something that you know we've held pretty seriously the laughter is the evidence that the alchemist has taken effect where we're now separated from what we just thought we were to me the distance between what we thought we were and now what we're realizing we are in this mm-hmm. moment that distance it, it requires an emotional reaction because we're like in the moment having an emotional reaction because we just lost ourselves we lost who we <laughs> thought we were yeah and laughter is an emotional release it's a form of weeping we either laugh or we cry sometimes it's you both. ever like you ever been getting like a shot like you go to the doctor and you have to get a shot or something painful and you just start laughing yeah or like yeah. that's actually happening maybe it's a deep tissue or something and you just start laughing. Like the choices are scream and cry or laugh, right? Sure. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. It's like, that is, that is how you bridge the gap. I've never thought of it that way, but you're bridging the gap. You're forming that, that you know, using the language to bridge the, the language of feeling and emotion and, and this to actually bridge the gap from where you were to where you're going. And when yeah. that, it requires something. For and sure. laughter, is, laughter is a hell of a lot better bridge to travel than the other bridge which is pain anger you know this other the dark bridge that goes underneath the surface yeah i agree and just one more thought on that when we're laughing it probably means we've given ourselves permission to be confused in that space between who we just let go of and now like who we're realizing we are right now that that space in between is called confusion and i think it's so great to be confused so great to allow ourselves to leave our platform of certainty and laughter is a way we can navigate that confusion we can be scared as hell of it and then maybe try to avoid it Mm -hmm. or we can be scared as hell of it at some level inside but use laughter as the levity to help propel us to the other side of the dark woods of the confusion (laughs) Totally. So, man, if I were a doctor, which I'm not, unless I'm in <laughs> denial, it wouldn't be funny. Like, I actually am a doctor, but I'm yeah. just in denial. Of it. I'm not a doctor, people. Uh, 
my prescription would be figure out what we get offended about. Uh-huh. And can we take Oscar Wilde's words, which are something to the effect of life is too important to take seriously. And I think we are too important to take seriously. So can we look at what we get offended about, which is something we take really seriously and challenge ourselves to find a way to laugh at it? Whether it's I offended when they say Republicans are this, or I'm offended about Trump. I'm offended about Democrats. I'm offended. You would question my beliefs, my religion. How dare you? Well, what if we become the one that questions it? And I think when we start questioning it and use laughter as a, and a way to embody the questioning of it, it's not us saying this idea, this sense of self doesn't matter anymore. It's not saying that. It's not saying it's not important. It's just saying it's not me. Mm. It may still have a very appropriate place in my life, but I'll realize at a feeling level it's not me. And honestly, some of the things won't have an appropriate place in our life. They've got to be composted and become something better. And for those of you who are trying to figure that out, a good place to start would be to go to JP's YouTube page. Mm. Start looking at videos. And the one that you're like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, God, he did it. Oh, no. Because you know that you're going to show up in that fucking video. That's the yeah. one you need to watch. You need to watch that. And then at the end, you know, that laughter will make you more authentic. It'll make you more aware of these little delusions that you've been under, these little attachments, and then transmute it, bridge that gap with the laughter as you've done, and you'll be a better person for it. So that's a, that's a hell of a good place to start because yeah. i even like even you, you know you have an ayahuasca video on there and even as i was clicking it i was like god damn it like i know <laughs> like i knew i was a character in that video at some point in my life i was like god damn it here we go it, it, <laughs> you feel <know>? the burn <laughs> you feel, feel the, the burn. burn feel the burn but then of course you know you go through it and and then it, it makes you more it makes you more you just as you said so it's a, a huge service that you're providing but i'm sure oh, at the same you. side you find some people who just who just don't like it. Who oh, get like don't find the humor and get mad. You must have people get mad at you. For sure. And you know, I'm delusional as hell. So <laughs> like let's let's take with a grain of salt this rash big rationalization. I'm about to sh- puke out just to justify how I am. But I would never want to rob someone from their emotional experience. So if someone gets offended by a video, I look at that as something therapeutic. I don't think it's possible for us to be offended about something that we're not insecure about. Yep. And I think what we really get insecure about is when we think we're something that we're not. Yep. Because like that's so fragile. Of course we're insecure about it. Like it's not going to hold up. So if someone gets offended by a video, I actually do believe, and this is where I might be getting delusional, <laughs> I actually do believe it's therapeutic for someone to make a connection to that insecurity, even if they don't swim in it vulnerably, even if they they touch the insecurity and then rebel against it with the energy of outrage and anger, at least they touched it. it and and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a beautiful way to look at it because that's the that's the higher perspective of all of this. I mean, I think sometimes we're so scared of, pain or discomfort you know we like we don't want to tell our to bring it back to another and we don't want to tell our lover thing because it might hurt their yeah. feelings so we hold it back and rob them of the ability to confront that emotion and confront those demons that they're own facing because we think that oh we got to placate everything we got to be sure. like this overbearing mama bear character or papa bear where we take care of every need yeah. and there's no pain 
you know how shitty ayahuasca would be as a medicine <laughs> if it didn't drive you straight to the heart of darkness? Like that's the whole fucking point. It'd be ineffective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wouldn't do anything. Like it takes you to the shit you don't want to see the most. Yeah. Like, and that's what, you know, it's not our job to just placate everything and just nerf the world and make yeah. everything, you know, so that nobody's feelings get hurt. You know, fuck that. Feelings. <laughs> to me, yeah, we're actually doing a disservice and we're being selfish. Yep when we're nerfing the world, placating it all. And, and I've done a lot of that selfish stuff. Like I'm not going to voice real perspectives because I selfishly want everybody to like me. I don't <laughs> want someone to feel offended and of course yeah. project that onto me and they think they don't like me, even though deep down inside, of course they like me. <laughs> so actually uh, it's been making my videos have been a real journey. Like I, I started off, just doing comedy videos within like the spiritual genre, which was cool. And I still mm -hmm. value it. But then that became the safety zone. And mm -hmm. then, you know, the creative muse was calling me to make videos about issues that are more directly related to the human heart. Mm -hmm. And then just recently I released a video called um, gun control and, and like talk about like, like, that's not going to make everybody like me, but the creative muse was tickling me. Dope. Like I, I, I need that to, That's great. I need to voice my voice on some of the dogmatic thinking around this. I've got to shine the light on it the way I do through what I think is one of my gifts, sharing perspectives through the language of satirical humor. So I, I actually remember I text my assistant, Karen, I said that gun video is going to be released tonight at nine o'clock. Just so you know, <laughs> we're going to get some heat coming in. And I want you to know we're not reacting to any of it. Yeah. And of course, a lot of heat came in it. People, you know, shit hit the fan for some people. And that was a fire for me. Like I had to sit in the flames yeah. and be okay, you know, with the part of me that says people don't, these people who are outraged don't like me. They don't like me. Then, of course, I have the, maybe the angel on the other shoulder reminding me of like, okay, they're, if they're outraged, they're getting in touch with something they need to get in touch with. They don't feel secure with it and that's okay. But to me, the greatest service I can be for the world and that I think a lot of people in the helping profession can be for the world is when we fucking challenge people rather than just reinforcing comfort complacency the nerf world as you called it yeah no offense nerf please don't <laughs> sue the shit out of us yeah no i think that's that's right on so do you i mean it's another thing that eckerd totally brings up as well is like when you feel the compression of the ego when you feel that <gasps> like breathe into it like yes. not try to immediately circumvent not try to dodge it not try like when you feel that like breathe into it and and that's a practice that i take when i have those you know those comments that are yeah. just like out of the blue trying to cut you down. And I try to like, Oh, that one landed yeah. weird. That one. I wonder why that landed. All right. Let me breathe into the spot that that landed, For you know, sure. sit in the fire to use your, your words. And then you grow stronger from that rather than yeah. flaming back out. Like, Oh, you're going to burn me motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to burn you down. It's a firefight now, bitch. Yeah. And I'm going to say this in all caps. Yeah. So that'll really teach yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's, it's funny, but do you, do you go in and do you read the comments? You know, the, it's, it's I never read all the comments. There's just too many of yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
but I, I like to read some of them and especially I'll read the early ones that come out in a video, but like with the, so if you're going to talk shit to JP, do it quick, do it quick. <laughs> yeah, jump on that right away. If you want him to feel the fire, uh, for be sure. top five comments on the but, video, you know, with the gun control video, because that was like a, a new height of a cliff. I jumped off of when, uh, when my assistant texts me, I was sitting in the movie theater watching Wonder Woman with my lady. Nice. Divine feminine. Man, I support it. All you masculine, whether you think you're a man or not, all you masculine identified people, we need the divine feminine. I will stand by that. That's my running platform for president <laughs> 2020. So, but I felt my phone buzzing as my assistant texting me, letting me know, like, there's, there's some comments you need to see, JP. And I let her know, like, I, I can't look at comments. One, like, I'm with my girl right now. That's the Watching priority. Wonder Woman. Absolutely. Priority. Eckhart Tolle would say, JP, the purpose of your life is to be with your woman right now. Uh-huh. But, like, I was already processing enough fire. It's like, I need to digest this initial fire Lies. of what it even meant to me to release the video before I can encounter other flames. So, like, I need, you know, a few hours to breathe right here leaning into the discomfort, not away from it. And, and I don't think we, I don't think a person's ever been hurt by feeling the emotional discomfort that their body generates. I think we hurt ourselves all the time trying to avoid it. Yeah. Lean away from it. So nonetheless, like I I needed a moment. I needed half a day before I could read any comments. That's fucking really wise. And that's something that I've failed on before. Like, and I've pushed people around me into failure because like, oh yeah, go for it. You know, like do the aboga. It'll be great. Yeah. Like, no, (laughs) like, no, not yet. You know, like that's too much fire. It's too much fire at one point. Like a workout doesn't make you stronger. The recovery from the workout makes you stronger. The emotion, negative emotions that you feel isn't what makes you stronger it's coming out the other side successfully whereas if you pound yourself into complete obliteration that may take you even longer to recover it's just like overtraining you can't overtrain the psyche just like you can't overtrain the body and so having that knowledge of pacing i think is is really a, a brilliant caveat to that stoic philosophy of the obstacle is the way well don't give yourself too much fucking obstacle that you get smushed absolutely to me the what I'm hearing you say is challenge yourself, mm-hmm. but don't overwhelm yourself. I think there's yep. a humbleness that's needed. The humbleness of the wise warrior who's not afraid of the battlefield, not afraid to feel his or her feelings, but the wise warrior also has the humbleness that says, I only have so much capacity. So the wise warrior might like look at the army of a thousand people and say, that's too much for just me <laughs> right now. But the, you know, the wise, courageous warrior might look at one or two uh, enemies, if you yeah. will, and say, that looks like a challenge. Yeah. I'll take on those two, but I'll need to develop more before I can do a thousand. That might be challenging for me 10 years from now, but it's overwhelming to me now. And I think we need that humbleness rather than this delusional sense of grandiosity, like, hey, I'm a superhero. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, I mean, we're half superhero, half human. Yeah, We got to respect the human limitations that we have while not being limited by the limitations. So what would you say, what, what advice would you give to people then who find themselves in a challenge 
that is beyond a challenge and actually is overwhelming. You know, something that they, yeah. and I didn't choose this, but this is more than, I, this is more than I would have ever, you know, asked for or brought on and you yeah. feel overwhelmed. Like what would be your advice for that person yeah. in that situation? You know, if it's a situation that, you know, the prefrontal cortex of that person would discern like this situation is somehow like important to me. Like it might be like, a family, like I have five kids and I'm overwhelmed. It's not something that you would judge. Like I I'll cut this out of my life. Mm. Some situations maybe, but I, so when we're in a place where we're overwhelmed and it's still, there's purpose being connected with it. And I think that's when we need to ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's when we need to realize like, there's a reason why there's 7 billion other people on this earth. We need our tribe and we need to get over our self-righteousness that is afraid of asking for help. I think being able to reach is so courageous to be able to reach and say, I need help, whether that's support, whether that's physical action, uh, whether it's an ear, I, I need you to hear my feelings. I need you to help me with this. I need you to understand me. So man, I think that's when we reach out. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes. You know, it's I've in got those that. moments, in those moments, it's where you want to reach out the least. You I've know? got the disease of pride. Yeah, for sure. For I mean, I remember I was explaining to you earlier when we were just chatting, you know, some of the more challenging times I had were, uh, you know, about a month ago, just a lot of things coinciding with pressures. And I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed by the things that I had going on. And, and I had people who were right on the periphery who could have been massively helpful. <laughs> massively helpful i didn't talk to anybody <laughs> nope didn't talk to anybody i mean whitney you know yeah. i would like talk to my partner but not to like the the real mentors and experts who yeah. could have really lend lended a hand with some of the heavier issues that i was going to and until finally you know what triggered me totally flipping it, it wasn't anything externally that changed it was a mindset change and that mm. was me actually going out and hanging with um, one of those guys, this guy, Ted Decker, who's been on my podcast before, amazing guy. And just sitting with him, you know, over the course of an hour and a half, I felt at one point, like I was, you know, going to cry. I did cry. Yeah. One point I was going to vomit. One point I was going to, you know, and the rest of the time I was laughing. And then at the end of that, it just shifted my perspective enough. And I've been riding, you know, paradise for the last 10 days, largely mm. with the external situation being the same, but really I couldn't have done it you know, without some help. And, but it took yeah. me, you know, it took me kind of holding that, bearing that suffering for long enough till I realized like, all right, <laughs> now let yeah. me reach out and do that. I should have just done it sooner. But again, it's that thing like, I got this, I got for this sure. everyone. Yeah. For sure. We have to experience enough suffering while we're avoiding what we imagine will be the suffering we'll yeah. encounter <laughs> by asking for help so that we can then become willing to experience yeah. the suffering of a- actually asking for s- help, which my experience is usually it's not really suffering. No, it's, it's it like fun. a relief. Yeah, it was totally, totally. Well, mm. shit, man, this has been a fucking blast. Oh, One of my for me too, brother. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank yeah, you for course. being you and doing all that you so. do for the world and all that you do for yourself. Thank you, brother. Likewise, for man. Sure. Likewise, really appreciate the gifts that you provide. So. Speaking of which, um, tell people where they can find your yeah, awesomeness. Best best way to find his awesomeness. 
social media, all my handles are Awaken with JP. I'm always posting videos on Facebook, YouTube, and the usual spots. So that's a good place to find me or to avoid me if you find me incredibly <laughs> offensive. And then your book, How to Be Ultra Spiritual. Yeah, How to Be Ultra Spiritual, 12 and a Half Steps to Spiritual Superiority. <laughs> it should be in all the usual spots, Amazon, and you know, steal it from a friend, whatever you want to do. Dope. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming by. Much love, everybody. Peace. People often ask me why I started on it. And one of the best answers to that question is it has everything that I fucking love. It has the fitness products that I've loved using for years between the kettlebells, the maces, the clubs, all of these unconventional tools that have history in some cases that extend back a thousand years, but that modern athletes are using. It has the best supplements. Not only have we taken natural ingredients, We've tested them in rigorous clinical trials like Alpha Brain with the Boston Center for Memory. And then it has all of these delicious functional foods and proteins. This is a culmination of all of the tools that I like to use to benefit my life on a daily basis. And I literally use these things on a daily basis. I love this stuff. It's a key part of who I am. And I hope you guys love it as much as I do. Onnit.com slash Aubrey, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash Aubrey. You'll save 10% on everything. Enjoy.